Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you want to speak to us. And so today, as we get into your word, we ask that your word, God, uh, would find good soil in our lives, in our hearts, and that it can grow and bear fruit. Speak to us today. Let us have ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, um, we're happy to see everyone uh, here today, and I want to try to use the time to continue on the topic that we've been having on on worldview. I wanted to show this video because it kind of explains um, the, the view that the Bible explains about how the world was made. You know, we talked about worldview being, what, what that means is the way that you make sense of the world, the way that you make sense of the things around you, of the facts. A theory tries to offer an explanation to the things that we see and the things that are there, right? But nevertheless, it's still a theory, right? And so a worldview has to do with how you look at life. And, you know, it's just the window that you see the world from. And it has to do a lot, a lot with the home that you grew up with, the family that you grew up with, and, uh, you know, and and what you experience. So that may be a reality to you, to me, the way I see the world, but the world is so much more and so much bigger than that. And, and so worldview is about um, how we view life. Does that make sense? Um, I'll tell you more about it in an upcoming uh, service, but in general, there's a story that, uh, that, that was said about six blind men that walked into a place and... and and there was an elephant there, you know? And they were each trying to describe what the elephant was like, but they were blind. They couldn't see, you know? And so one of those guys was touching the side of the elephant, and he said, the, the elephant's like a big wall, you know? And the other guy, he came across one of the legs, and he said, the elephant's like a great big tree. And this other guy that grabbed the hold of the tusk, he said, no, it's, it's like, a, like a great spear, you know? And another guy that came in hold, a hold of the trunk, he said that it was like a giant snake, the elephant was. And this guy got a hold of the ear, and he said it was like a great big fan that they used to use on the kings, you know? And the guy that grabbed the hold of the tail said, no, the elephant's more like a rope, you know? And each one of them, was, were, they were arguing about their point that they were making. And each one of them, in a sort of sense, was, was telling the truth. And they, they were describing a reality, but they didn't have the big picture. They didn't have, they weren't able to put it all together. And so, for us, a lot of times the way we view life is what we have experienced. It has to do where we, where we grew up. It has to do with what we have encountered. But a lot of times we give an explanation and we decide and we see things from our angle. And those things are a reality to us. You know? And now with um, the world that we live in that's really, uh, you know, a world of travel and of communication... You know, most people was difficult to travel in other in another time. Now we have airplanes and we have many ways of getting around. And so because of this, 
and, and because of media and, and communications, we can see and we can be exposed to views from other parts of the world, from people that grew up in a different area than us. And so we can see and we can hear how other people think and how they view life. And this has led to people adopting some other views. And some people have a mixture of views. But the truth is that sometimes, you know, when we hear the word of God, we still are there with this reality of how we see the world and how we've experienced the world and the things that happened. You know, so a worldview basically tries to answer those things. For example, when you're driving back home after a difficult time, after a funeral, you know, maybe of a loved one or whatever it is, it's, it's that answer that you're trying to find, that sense you're trying to make of why this took place or why is it that this happened, right? And uh, the, the worldview tries to answer that. And so we've been trying to describe um, the main worldviews that are out there, but um, we really wanted to get solid on the, on the view of what the Word of God says. How many of you guys know that? I mean, we can kind of make sense of the story of the elephant because we've seen an elephant, right? But imagine if you hadn't seen an elephant. You didn't know what an elephant was. And we're trying to understand what it is by the descriptions that these men are giving us. And that's the difference to this is that, you know, we've seen an elephant so we can kind of see, okay, they don't have it all together. They have part of the truth. They just haven't communicated all. But here, we're just, we come here to the world. We were born, and we hear these things, and we're trying to make sense of why we're here. And, you know, does it really matter what I do, what I don't do, what I choose, my choices? Does it really affect? Is there life after this? All these kind of questions. You know, and some people say, hey, I don't care about all that. But even not caring about all that and not believing in all that, even that is a view. There's people that hold on to that way of seeing things. And so I like, I like the Bible because the Bible doesn't suggest. You know, Jesus didn't say, I have truth. He said, I am truth. Right? Before things were, he said, I was. And I am. And so he doesn't, I like it because some people couldn't, they, they, they thought Jesus was maybe not all the way there because of the, because of the declarations that he made that were so bold and so upfront, You know, he said, I, I've been with God since the beginning, and I only speak the things I've heard my father say. You know, and he would say, and this is my father glorified. You know, that you do his will, that you treat each other well. And so he would begin to speak of things since before the world, and they, and they didn't understand that. Because, see, they, they had tradition and they had a history and they try to make sense of God and of the world by what their ancestors had told them in, G- in the people around Jesus, right? The Jewish people. So they thought God was revealed through history, through the prophets. But Jesus begins to speak of the prophets, so they're like listening to him. They're like, okay, he knows what he's talking about because they knew the prophets. They had studied that, the law. But then Jesus will begin to talk about things. He goes, even before Moses, I already was. And that's what really threw them off because he wasn't just talking about history. He was talking before that, before the world was made, before the elephant was even thought of, he was there. 
How many of you guys know that the best description can be given by somebody who has seen the elephant? But even better, whoever made it, right? And so the, world, the, the Word of God reveals to us God and the world and why we're here and what it has to do with us. And that's kind of what the video was uh, explaining. So uh, I talked about different aspects of, of the faith that we have, of, you know, of the belief in Jesus Christ, the belief in God the Father, the Creator. And so we talked about the theological standpoint of that, you know, that, that it's a designed universe, that, that we have a personal and loving God that is interested in us, that is involved with us. You know, there are views out there that think, that believe that the world was, is made and God is, they believe in a God, though, that makes the world and he made the world for his purpose. For, he made the world for some, some reason that belongs to him. And he doesn't really care about you or me or he doesn't care what is happening here because he has his agenda. But the Bible teaching us, teaches us that God made the world, but he designed the universe for us to live in it. He made it for us. When we got here, there was already food for us to, 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 to eat. There was already the oxygen we need to breathe, the elements that we need so that life can be sustained. And so we believe, a theological standpoint, we believe in a, in a, in a designed universe, in a personal and loving God, you know. Uh, we talked about the philosophical standpoint where, um, you know, that, that the thought process came before the matter. Right? There's people, uh, the theories, they see the matter or the things that are here, the things that exist, and they offer their explanation as to how those things came about or how this happened. But the Bible teaches us that before any of those things happened, there was a God that, that thought it up. You know, the Bible says that, you know, we existed in the mind of God before we were ever formed. He knew our name before even the foundation of the earth. He knew you by name and knew me by name. And he had the hairs on our head counted because he knew us and he loved us. And he was waiting just for the moment, according to his plan, to bring us here. And we give it up to him because he's, you know, he, you know, so we talked about that. It's no accident. We talked about that you being born, us being here, the family that we're in, the part of the world, you know, it's, it, that, that, we, that we happened in or we're born to is, is not by accident, it's by design that we're here. So we're not a result of our mom and dad coming together, and so here we are, you know. We're a result of God designing us and thinking of us, and our, your mom and dad is just a vehicle that God used for his plans to happen and for you to come here. Does that make sense? And so... That's why we honor our parents, not because they're perfect or because they did right or wrong. We honor them simply because they're the people that God used to bring about something that was in his mind. Whether they, they knew it or not, whether they were aware of it or not, whether they had a religion about this or that, you know, maybe they didn't know it, you know. But God has used people to bring you where you are right now, and we honor those people. God has used people to talk to you about his plans and his purpose. And we honor those people as well, right? And so um, this, this is something amazing. But us, we can't stay there. We can't say, well, I don't know if God used me. I don't know if he would use me. 
I don't know if he has a plan and a purpose for my life. We have to take it to the point where I'm here on purpose. I'm here by a design. So I need to, come, I need to become aware of his presence. I need to become aware of his plans and his purposes for my life. So when I realize that, I stop chasing the dreams that I had and the goals that I had because now I come and I, my desire now is to come, is to want to know God because he knows more about me than I know about me. And his dreams about me are greater than the dreams I have. And they're more appropriate and they're more adequate and they're more in line and they're more fulfilling and more satisfying because I was made for that right? Some people have no satisfaction in what they do. Some people have no joy in the things that they work so hard to achieve, and they achieve good things at times. Because they're not in line and in sync with their design. They're not in line and in sync with their destiny and their nature from God. And that revelation only happens as we draw near to God. So from a philosophical standpoint, we state that, you know, the notion of logos or the thought process or the mind of God came before matter. Yeah? So it precedes that. From an ethical standpoint, we stated that we know what's right and wrong from the nature and the character of God. Right? So if we don't know God, everyone is going to do what they please. The Bible tells us that the people, you know, the, the people of God... You know, the Israelites, these guys, they knew about God. They were taught about God as they were growing up. But it says that Joshua was a God-fearing guy. He, his, hero were people, his heroes were people that obeyed God and that were used by God. So he wanted to be like those people. He wanted to know God like those people. And that's the world that he grew up in. That's how he saw life in the world. He was taught that the world was made by God, that it existed in the mind of God. However, the Bible tells us that after Joshua, a generation of people grew up that didn't know God. They didn't know what he had done. They didn't know the stories of God. They didn't, they didn't see things the way that actually were. And the Bible tells us that everybody did what they saw fit or what they saw was okay. Everybody behaved and acted according to how they thought. I think it's kind of a picture of what we see today. There's a motivation to people to, why don't you decide what you're going to believe, right? Why don't you decide how things happen? And, you know, it seems like education pushes us towards that. And it's making us, apparently, people that are more open, that are more uh, thoughtful, that use more our minds. But the, the Bible tells us in Romans that people wanting to make themselves wise became ignorant. Because... They, they decided, I'm going to think about how all this happened, and they left God out the picture. And wanting to become wise, they became fools and ignorant. And they traded the glory of God and the incorruptible things of God. Incorruptible means things that, that don't pass, things that don't perish, things that are forever, things that have value. The Bible says, and they traded the, corrupt, the incorruptible things of God for the things of this world, for things that are not worth it, you know? And they were turned over to a, to a mind that's, re, that's reproved, the mind that, doesn't, that is not able to process and is not able to see things. A mind, that's, that's a mind that can't see things, a mind that's reproved, is a mind that, 
that only sees the leg of the elephant or that only can describe that. It's a mind that, that can only speak from things that are real to you and that you have experienced. And the world makes sense to you there. But you know, the whole elephant is a different thing. And the elephant lives in this place that's much bigger than that. And then there's this world that God created. Then there's this universe. You know, and then there's all these things that God has designed that, that we sometimes have been given over into a mind thinking that we're wise. And there's really no understanding to what it is we do. So um, I want to speak about the biological standpoint, if we can go there, Maria. Um, we argue here that, uh, that the concept of a living God uh, creating life, uh, you know, this fits the evidence better than this spontaneous generation uh, and macroevolution. So from a biological standpoint, the, the belief that God created life is much greater and fits better than to just say, you know, there was just a spontaneous generation of something that happened. Something generated itself. How many of you guys know that, for example, even something like your car, it doesn't just generate itself to turn on, right? You have to turn the key or press the button. I knew this guy that he thought that was cool how he saw everybody was just pressing the button on their car when it was cold. It was ready for that cold weather, yeah? We need it. And, and so when it's cold, you know, you go out there and you turn your car on. So they came out with these things where you can start your car, the quick start, you know. And it was a good idea because you can be inside finishing getting ready when it's early in the morning. And you can be putting your coffee together, whatever it is, and your car can start going. Well, I, I worked with this guy. He had like this old Honda, you know. And so he got that put in his car. I thought, you know, if you were going to invest that, just get a newer car, you know. But he decided to do it to his car, and he lived in these apartments over in Irving. And uh, three times already he had uh, ran into uh, the apartment complex into the living room of some Asian lady because he would jumpstart his car, but he had a stick shift. And this was an old school guy that he would leave it on first gear. So when he would jump start it, his car would just like jump into, and he his parking spot was like right up to a wall, and you know he'd come down with his stuff ready to go to work, and his car was like the hood of his car and stuff was in some lady's living room. There's an Asian lady there, you know, and he had to, you know, he had to pay for that a few times. I was like, man, either leave the car, back it in, you know, or go out there and turn it on, or leave it on neutral, you know. I tell him and put the, you know. Emergency break. But what I'm, what I'm trying to state is that, you know, the, that car is already put together. And all you have to do is get it to run. But even getting it to run requires a thought process and it requires you to do something. So believing, though, we, we believe that God made the things to happen. And it, they didn't. It, there wasn't just this spontaneous generation. There's there's beliefs out there that state that out of nothing, things like uh, simple forms of living things begin to happen. 
And those things begin to evolve and come together to form more complex uh, forms of life or species. And those species then begin to evolve. And basically, a man now is this uh, developed and evolved ape, you know. And so there's views out there that state that. But I was stating a few uh, Sundays ago that things don't just happen, you know. Um, I wish that, like, things would just happen and my garage would be super clean if I get home right now, you know, or, you know, or that after you go all out trying to cook something in your, in your kitchen, right, then there's a bunch of dishes. I like helping my wife cook, but she, she says that she's kind of confused. She's happy I'm helping, but then she says I get all these dishes dirty, and then she washes them. She's like, I go, do you not like me to help you? She goes, yeah. I go, well, what's the problem? She goes, well, then I have, like, a lot of dishes that I have to wash. <laughs> because things don't just, things don't just happen, right? And, and so we believe that God created life. Uh, God put us together, and then he breathed life into us. And now we, we have a decision of what we do with that. that God has placed that into our hands. He's, he's gave us a mind. He gave us the ability to choose. But that ability to choose is because God wanted to give us free will with the life and the things that he made available to us and that he made us for. Because God doesn't want these robot type of praise. You know, animals move by instinct. They breed by instinct. Uh, nobody has to teach a fish how to behave and how to act because it's programmed to do that by instinct. Us, however, we... You know, there's people that believe we're like animals in the instinct sense of it. But God really gave us something called a free will. And that overrides your instinct that you may have. Or that, that can override what you decide can, can override your, um, your form of living, your traditional sense. There's people that say, hey, well, this is okay for me to do because, you know, this is how I grew up. This is how my family's always done this. But I can choose to do things different than my family does. I can choose to behave in a different way, to view things in a different way, because God gave me that. People have taken this, however, that God put in us, and they've used it for the wrong reason. They used it to think, well, I'm going to see if maybe if God is real or not. I'm going to see, I'm going to make sense of how this all happened. So now we're not using it to... To, to decide, you know, what I want to honor God and have satisfaction. Now, we're using it to see if God is even in the picture or not. <laughs> this, I like this. this uh, I was hearing this guy one time, and he was talking about his teenage boys. And, you know, he said he was having a hard time with his sons. They didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to be playing video games. You know, and uh, this boy, he used to have, they used to have their entertainment room down in the basement of the house. He goes down there and goes, it's hot down here. What's going on? He goes, well, I don't know. You know, he goes, well, why don't you move the thermostat? He goes, I don't know how to mess with that. He goes, you mess with these computers and with these complex video games and you can't move a thermostat, you know? And, and then, you know, he's trying to explain to them, uh, trying to buy them clothes for school and they, wanna, they want their own clothes. He goes, I want my own clothes. You got a, he, he said, Dad, you know, this year I want to buy my own clothes. He goes, that's great. 
you know. And so he took him to the mall and left him there. He was driving off. He goes, Dad, I don't have no money. He said, I thought you said you were going to buy your own clothes. You know, he goes, no, I need the money. He goes, oh, you want me to buy what you want? And so he's talking to God about this. And and this guy says that he believes uh, teens or adolescents. He goes, I believe that these guys are God's revenge on mankind. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, because God goes, I want you to see what it feels like uh, to to make someone who later on grows up to deny your existence (laughs) and to question everything you do and everything you say and everything they have. (laughs) That's kind of true. So in closing, um, we have used the things that God gave us to enjoy life and to decide things that are supposed to move us in the direction from God. We've used these things sometimes to question the wrong things and to, you know, I, I know that there's honest doubts. And when you have those, you know, God finds you where you're at. Sometimes you view things a certain way because of how you were brought up, how you grew up. But there's people that honestly, they just don't know about God. But there's a, there's a hunger and a thirst in every human being that is for God. It has destiny. It's eternal. And, and that thirst and that hunger cannot be satisfied with anything from this world. It's not quenched or satisfied by any view, any theory, any explanation. It's only satisfied when we come to him. And that's where we find rest. And that's where we find joy and peace. And we can have a clear mind. And, and we can decide from there. And the choices we make from that point are choices that bless those around us even more. They bless our family even more because from an ethical standpoint, the way that God tells us to to treat our wives is actually the way that they would like to be treated. And the way that God tells you to treat your husband is the way that he looks to be treated. He just don't know how to tell you, so he argues, right? Or he just doesn't talk to you or he just doesn't do anything. Or he just does the opposite of what you say. (laughs) But when we get in line with God, and when we get in line with what he made us to be, instead of questioning and fighting him on everything, we begin to fit, and we begin to enjoy his favor and his blessing. Not only are we... See, it seems sometimes to some people like, like the world is against them, like nature and the things are against them. And they're just, they're just running against the grain. They're running against God because they don't understand God. They're running against the laws and things that have been put in order by God. Because they view family and they view people and relationships the way they were brought up. Or as a result of who they've been talking to and what they've studied or whatever it is. And they think sometimes that adopting or accepting as truth what the Word of God says and what He says about men, women, about life, about everything. They think that's a thing of the past. It's for ignorance. But when you do it, there's this freedom. And there's this, there's this great knowledge and wisdom that comes with knowing God. And so I decided a while ago that I didn't care to be judged or to be told that I was ignorant 
or that I didn't know much because I made choices in my life to people that seem that to people that don't know God it seemed like they were not the best choices because I was on you know I was on a path to a certain career and certain things and I chose to to serve God and to pursue God and to prepare myself to know God and and so for some people that wasn't a wise choice but um, I told God one day that it didn't matter what I looked like to the world I or to people I just for me it mattered how I looked to him and what he thought about me and so you have to come to a point where it matters more what God thinks and what God says than what your family thinks than what your friends think than what the people that you grew up with what they think and what they say and what the world says and Jesus said if the world talks bad about you know that they first talk bad about me if they reject you and don't accept you know that they rejected me first but whoever has Jesus has life they don't they're not seeking life they're not seeking things that make sense they already have it and whoever doesn't have Jesus doesn't have life it doesn't matter how much they achieve it doesn't matter how much they think they know they're lacking what matters most and so where you're at right now i think it's a good time right now to just say god i acknowledge you part of praise praising god is just recognizing you know there was a saying that you used to say you better recognize and so it's it's recognizing who God is and what he's done and recognizing who we are and that we need him and that we're made by him right it's just recognizing that and when you acknowledge that and you give credit to him that's praise that's what praise is it's just this recognition this acceptance this this okay if if a kid praises you as their parents they're acknowledging that that you you make the rules that you're in control that you you make the decision and they praise you when they acknowledge that and when you've taught them about authority and their your their teachers give you good reports that praises you right because they're acknowledging what you have taught them and what you stand for so they respect you and they respect other authority And so we need to acknowledge God today. And so if that's praise then what is worship? Worship is just admiring and standing in awe who God is and what he's done. So we don't worship what he's done. We worship him for what he's done. We admire him for who he is because the God that did it can do it again and can do it even greater. So God this morning just close your eyes and say God I believe in you. You're a living God. You created all things. All things were made by you. They were formed by you and so was I. Tell him God when I gave you my life I don't expect you to do anything in return. I I'm not demanding anything from you. I simply gave you what was already yours. I simply gave you what already belonged to you. So when I give you my life, I gave you what was rightfully yours. 
So this morning where you're at, just take one minute there and say, God, I recognize you as the giver of life. I recognize you as the initiator and the founder of family, of people, of the world. I recognize that. Open my understanding. Tell them to see the world the way that you see it. To see what you see. Maybe I would understand more your word and more your plans and purposes for me if I saw that. So open my eyes, God. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray for every home and family here, God, that you're drawing them to know you. We just want to know you more. We want to know you better. And we, at this moment, minute, to, to worship you for what you've done. Tell them, God, you are great. No one can do the things that you do. There's a bunch of theories and explanations there, but your word simply states the things that you made happen, the things that are before all that you were. You are today and you will always be. So we worship you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So this verse tells us, so what we're seeing on worldviews, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Genesis 1.31. So we're saying that everything that God made was good. And so life is good. The things that God made is good. There's difficulties out there, but life is good. There's difficulties in a marriage, but that's good. God made it. There's people that are afraid of, to jump in that. There's people that are afraid of those things, but those things are good. And, you know, I, I tell you one thing. I, I kind of, you know, because of the world that we live in and the things that I was seeing, I, I didn't know. I was like, man, I know marriage is a good thing. The Bible talks about it. But when I got married, God began to bless me even more in every area. Financially, he began to bless me, you know, in, in other areas. And, and also in my understanding and revelation of him, he began to bless me at, at work, at, in school, in other areas. And... Because when we're in line with him, he blesses us. Now he's blessed me through my children and everything. And, and so everything that God made is good. Let's enjoy that. And the way that we enjoy it more is by knowing him. All right. So uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to have everyone here. Welcome, Alex and, and, and your guests and also Victoria, her family, everyone here who's, uh, who's, who's part of the family. It's good to see you guys again. And, and so, you know, let's stand up to our feet and... You know, say hi to about five or six people before you get out of here. And these are the people that God is allowing us to know him together with. So we thank him for that. God bless you.